You're listening to the Faculty Podcast. In this interview, Robert Williams discusses how art and philosophy contribute to a deeper cultural understanding of the nuclear. It's a project that deals with impossible materials. We came together um, to explore, uh, if you like, um, three things within uh, our region. This is the North Lancashire and Cumbria region. The first was the Energy Coast. Um, there are two nuclear power facilities on that coast. There's uh, Sellafield, which of course is Britain's first nuclear power station, uh, and Hesham uh, Reactor uh, A and B. Uh, it's also the site of uh, a huge array of uh, renewable energies in the form of giant wind farms just off the coast. So we have nuclear facilities and the energy coast. Uh, in Cumbria and North Lancashire, we also have a wealth of archaeological material, huge monuments, henge monuments, and curses, and uh, so on. Uh, and at the same time, there's a very, very rich oral folkloric um, uh, history uh, in the area as well. So what we did was really to bring these three things that are normally considered in isolation to each other together, kind of like a, a car crash of these three things. Um, and that was the conceit for the project. Um, this involved uh, a number of field uh, visits, um, collecting uh, the research material, uh, interviewing people and visiting the sites. Uh, and then we also um, managed to take um, a uh, kind of a tourist around these sites. But the tourist was the figure of the uh, atomic priest. And the atomic priest is a personage discussed um, by uh, an American um, folklorist and semiotician, Thomas Sadock, who wrote a very famous paper for the American Office of Nuclear Waste in 1984 called Communication Measures to Bridge Ten Millennia, where he proposed what he called uh, a folkloric relay system to use narrative and oral traditions, as well as a sequence of signs and signifiers to create what he referred to as the atomic priesthood. So the atomic priest was invoked in our project to test some of Sebok's strategies for the marking uh, and uh, preservation of nuclear sites and geologic repositories. And as I say, we took our atomic priest around these archaeological monuments of the region as a sort of magical alchemic tourist, uh, which in himself is adding to the repository of hermetic nuclear knowledge that informed the work as a whole. Now, the background to this is what the nuclear industry call RK and M. That's records, knowledge, and memory of buried nuclear sites. So the idea is to make um, very long-term, deep-time um, nuclear repositories for waste material and therefore in some way or other to make it safe for future generations. So our project was all about this idea of uh, deep-time uh, preservation of knowledge, how that would be transmitted, uh, and, uh, and, and in that way, it informed uh, our inclusion in Ellie Carpenter's Nuclear Culture Sourcebook, where we joined a whole number of other artists who are working on very similar themes. 
the joy of working within a uh, fine art or an art context is this notion of divergent thinking. We can think things and enact things that people within their strict disciplines can't. So here I am uh, as an artist engaging with um, folklore, for example. Um, I'm not a folklorist. I'm simply an artist using folklore as a method um, and a strategy within a practice to talk about other things. So in a sense, this, this, uh, this ability to cross boundaries the ability to perhaps say things that would embarrass or in some way uh, affect somebody's uh, reputation within a strict discipline and gives me license really to question and prod and, and poke around other areas where they might not be able to go. Um, it's also changing the kind of discourses that go on. So it shifts it from being um, uh, essentialist or instrumentalized into one that might be speculative or considered of, uh, of other matters on a much broader front. So in, in many respects, um, a, 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 an artist engaging with these subjects or these themes um, can provide that entirely new view that might be closed down or locked out for people already within that field. The opportunities for artists to explore these things include this idea of the new point of view or a different point and of course if we're talking about uh, hyper objects it's all about shifting uh, shifting the uh, kind of a normative approach to things uh, in, in terms of um, considering something which is perhaps too big or too complex on one level uh, if you shift your point of view then actually you can appreciate it on another, another level entirely so that that's another um, uh, opportunity, uh, uh, I suppose, for including artists within within those debates and discourses. In terms of the Anthropocene, well, it's kind of similar. Uh, the moment you uh, shift your point of view from looking at things entirely from a human point of view to considering things from um, uh, the perspective, perhaps, of uh, non uh, non-human beings, um, uh, animals and so on, or even other materials like um, geology or or planetary systems. Um, then, the, you know, what I'm saying there is that the speculations that you can engage in mean that you can shift that perspective um, quite considerably. And I think that's incredibly valuable within the current discussions of the Anthropocene and, of course, of uh, Tim Morton's ideas of uh, hyper-objects and so on.